The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, we're digging in to why Adam Silver and how Adam Silver loves France just so damn much. Uh, we break down Jeremy Sohan's new free throw shooting style to break down his free throw blues. We have some Carl Anthony Towns drama. <gasps> Shocker. He's never in the news. And we also get into some other tea from around the league. So much popping as the trade deadline approaches. So do me a favor, Nick, and drop that generic ass beat. Uh, before we get into everything popping around the league, uh, I wanted to give a special shout out to all the good, fine, fine folks in Buffalo, New York, for hosting me as America's guest in Buffalo for the Bengals-Bills game. I, uh, I'm i not sure. I haven't gone through a table yet, but I believe just shy of that, I'm a part of Bills Mafia, which means, of course, I take some sort of blame in going there and declaring my AFC fandom just so they can get their ass sent home. Uh, I'm sorry. Buffalo, we know it's a huge sports town. We talk about that not only in some of these radio hits that I do in Buffalo, but also in Rochester. So I got to talk a little hoops with them. A lot of people there reminded me multiple times that Buffalo was the original home of the what is now the L.A. Clippers. Did you know that? If you're not a historian, you did not. Uh, and I was, I was told an incredible story about the Buffalo Braves, which was the original NBA team, well, one of the original NBA teams in Buffalo. So I had to fact check it. Turns out this crazy story that they told me while I was tailgating near double propane uh, burners trying to warm myself up at their tailgate was true. It's actually maybe the craziest reason that an NBA player has been traded in league history. It's absurd. It's It's got a little ism to it, you know what I mean? Like there's a little, ah, ah, there's more to the story than just that. Anyway, so the Buffalo Braves. NBA franchise from 1970 to 1978. 
They have a fascinating history in the sense that they have three rookies of the year in four seasons. Think about that. Three out of four of their years, they had the rookie of the year. And they were a team on the rise. And then all of a sudden, ownership decided, fuck it. We're just going to tank. We're just going to try to sell this team. Pretty bad luck if you're trying to sell the team with multiple rookie of the years. Uh, In 1976, so they're shedding guys, right? They shed Hall of Famer Bob McAdoo, the league MVP, and a four-time All-Star at this point for cash. First of all, outside of this trade story, that's bonkers. That is absurd. David Stern would have stepped in and said no. Uh, So they wanted to deflate attendance numbers so they could just break their lease in Buffalo. 2022 Buffalo would never allow this to happen, I promise you. The Braves then turned around and got Moses Malone, who was just absolutely a monster in the paint, as we know. Later, a world champ with the Sixers. His career lasted exactly two games in Buffalo. Two games before he was traded to Houston. Why? Why did he get traded? What did he do? that was so wrong? What was so egregious in his behavior that would cause them to move someone who's this level of a player in two games? Well, Coach Tate's lock immediately got it in his mind that Moses Malone, Moses Malone, was lazy because, checks notes, he slumped on the bench during timeouts. No, that's the reason. That's the reason. It is. Moses Malone got traded from Buffalo because of bad posture. (laughs) Or maybe a more reasonable idea is that Tate's locks is an asshole and he didn't like Moses Malone. Like, that's probably more accurate. According to the recent history of the Buffalo Braves, Locke talked the owner into trading Moses Malone immediately (laughs) because... I just don't like the way he sits on the bench. It just rubs me the wrong way. He gives me vibes of just meh. It feels like a very complacent player. Moses Malone. We're not talking about some janitor. We're talking about Moses Malone. A year later, the Braves are in San Diego, so their efforts to get themselves shipped out of Buffalo worked. They then later, as we know, moved to Los Angeles because of All of the things that were happening with the Clippers. And that's where they are now. But what a story. I got to make my way back to Buffalo. What an incredible story that was. Big thanks to all the folks in Buffalo who came by, said hello, did not throw me through a table, gave me the original Buffalo Wings, uh, showed me a great time, went to Otto's, amazing subs. I think there's like a sausage patty and some sort of meat thing in there and cheese. Awesome. Also, Shope. Gene Battaglia, Bulldog, who did not come out, but we'll see him next time. And now I know what Bill's Mafia is truly like. So on to the league, uh, current league news. I just had to share that uh, before we got into more ridiculousness from our current commissioner, Adam Silver. So we've talked about how much Adam Silver just fawns over Europe. Just loves it. Just loves everything about the culture. Clearly wants to be a part of the culture. Wants this culture to be a part of the NBA in some way. And now I feel like 
there's even more evidence of that. A new country has struck Adam Silver's fancy, and it is France. Currently in love, currently a Francophile. Real quick, as an aside, if you look at Adam Silver, does he kind of just look like the guy who, just picture him in your mind. Doesn't he look like someone who would correct you for saying croissant wrong? I guess croissant. It's croissant. It's bonjour. And it's like, okay, guy, you're American. Doesn't he seem kind of like the guy who has a couple, maybe five, maybe seven berets in his closet in different colors that he wears with a turtleneck when he goes out to a French restaurant and orders foie gras? Like, doesn't that seem like Adam Silver? Like, you just know when he goes to dinner parties, he regales you with that time that he discovered one of the best cheeses on the planet when he took his trip with his lovely wife to Roquefort. You know? Like, that's him. That's Adam Silver. And he's going to shove French culture down our throats, whether we like it or not. That's just what's going down. So last week, they decided to have a game in Paris. The NBA did. First ever game in the City of Lights. Who played in that game? Was it was it Lakers Bucks? Was it somebody star-studded? Did we get to see, I don't know, did we get to see Steph Curry and the Warriors uh, play against, I don't know, even the Boston Celtics? Oh, it was much better than that. Something really to to just warm your palate up a little bit, get you get the juices going. It was um they decided to send the dead last Detroit Pistons with a total of 12 wins uh, to face the Chicago Bulls on the verge of a rebuild. Did the French, have they not been tuning into the NBA since um, the Michael Jordan era? Because that, that game in 1991 would have been amazing. But, hey, uh, Zach Levine's name does sound a little French. Levin, Zach Levin. Um, so that counts, I think, for something. So I'm watching the game at 3 p.m., which is in itself weird. But nothing is weirder than when you're watching Adam Silver share macaroons with Emmanuel Macron, a French president, right? Like, that's how he wanted me to say it. I wouldn't say it like that. That's how he wanted me to say it. So according to AP over a cafe... Adam Silver and Macron uh, struck a deal to work together with the hopes of continuing to grow the game of basketball internationally in France. So the question is, why now? Why are we doing this now? Well, if you know anything about what's popping around the league, you know why. Adam Silver has been commissioner for a very long time. We know he's been loving things, France all things French since, I don't know, like he went to the Louvre on a senior class trip at his private school. We know he's been in love with French women for 50 years now. So why the urgency? Why this international deal at this moment? I mean, it's very simple. It's two words. It's it's Victor Wambiyama. Like, it's him. Yeah. The guy Magic Johnson just came out and called the best player of the world. He is coming to America, presumably going to blow basketball up in France along the way because the French are going to be so excited. They've only had Tony Parker and Rudy Gobert and Evan Fournier. Like, they finally get a real guy in the NBA, right? They finally get someone they can be proud of, not some 
not some chucklehead that they all get made fun of about. And then you add in the 2024 Olympics, which, by the way, is is in Paris, even though we just had the Olympics in Tokyo, feels like just yesterday. And now we have a full-blown partnership going on. So what is in this international accord that they just struck? First and foremost, they're going to have a collab between the NBA and the LNB, the French Professional Basketball League. So we already saw that to a degree so far this year. More exhibitions like we saw with the Metropolitan 92 and Victor Wambayama against the G League Ignite and Scoot Henderson, right? That's, that was a game that we all like to see. It was in Vegas. It was lit. And beyond that, there were two things that came from this trip. The leagues are going to hype up the Olympics, probably meaning that Adam Silver is going to put pressure on all the big stars to show up and play. Steph Curry, you're fucking playing in these Olympics now. Like, you're not ducking this anymore. You're on the tail end. You've been saying you've been part of this championship window. You don't want to compete in international basketball because it messes up your your training regimen and your calendar of load and duration and frequency, and you don't want to tail off before the season gets to a turning point. But no, no, no. You're playing in Paris, Steph. That's what's happening. DeMar DeRozan's already committed. Not sure if that moves the needle from an international perspective. But the second thing that they decided on is fascinating. NBA and French officials are going to work together to grow the game in Africa. Why? Well, we've heard this multiple times from folks like Jerry West, other GMs around the league are talking about, okay, Hoopers from Victor Wambayama, Rudy Gobert, uh, Mbappe in soccer, all having roots in Africa. Jerry West has said that at, at Summer League that the NBA is deeply interested in that corner of the world because that partnership feels like probably where the NBA is going. Future of the league all stems from that France-Africa connection. And now Adam Silver has aligned himself with the government whose colonial policies <laughs> control most of the area. So it's a win-win, right? Like, so who knows what that means? What is the end goal of all this? Well, there's a closer relationship most likely between the NBA and the EuroLeague. And surprise, surprise, the same day of the accords of the EuroLeague announced they were having talks to fix the kind of fractured relationship between the two entities. Everybody wants the Olympic Games to go well, right? But ultimately, for Adam Silver, a franchise in Paris has to be the end game. Pick me. Pick me. I'm coming. I'm going. Whatever the name of the franchise is, I am in. I'm changing my entire life. I'm sure that they would love an NBA betting analyst to show up and eat some macaroons with Macron. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, like, tomorrow, but... Maybe like 10 years, 10, 15 years from now. The NBA is going to be international, folks, in our lifetime. And Paris, of course, is at the top of Adam Silver's wish list. The return of one of the wildest free throw shooting motions, and I don't mean underhanded. So rookie Jeremy Sohan of the Spurs is is known for, for three things. One, he wears his hair like Rodman. Two, he's 
pretty much playing uncannily like Rodman. And three, just like Rodman, he can't shoot free throws at all. The kid has a horrible, horrible free throw shooting percentage. He shot 59% at Baylor and only has slightly improved to 63%, which is okay, I guess. Not great, though, for a guy who's probably going to get fouled a lot, targeted a lot by teams late in games, which is why uh, he shocked a lot of people when he randomly started shooting free throws one-handed. Yeah, yeah. Sohan explained it like this. During shoot-around, before I even touched the ball, Coach Pop and Brett Brown came up to me and they said, you're shooting with one hand for this game. And I just, (laughs) this is tremendous. And I just did it. It's about my development versus how it looks and whatever. I'm just going to listen to them and do my best. Why one-handed, you might ask? Well, because it keeps his elbow tucked, which is a major flaw in his form to date. Actually, that's one of the flaws of Giannis, too. Giannis puts his elbows out, and that's one of the great flaws that has him getting absolutely trolled from fans across the country. And it's actually working. So ever since he started shooting one-handed, he went from shooting 46% uh, to 76%. So, and it's pretty good. It speaks a lot to how Sohan is, though, as a player, right? The notes on him before the draft were that he's very coachable, very hardworking. Everything that we've seen from him right now, including the one-handed free throws, Tells us that's pretty much true. He's coachable, and that's probably going to carry him a long way in a team that is going to need guys that they can coach because this is a rebuilding team. Uh, Pop had this to say about him defending opposing team star players. He said, yeah, it's been thrilling to watch this guy. He's fearless. He's only seen these guys on TV, and we have him go guard them all the time. This is Greg Popovich, the guy who is – We'll call it a little gun-shy about giving compliments. That is pretty much the closest thing to a compliment Popovich has ever given out since he last dealt with the the great, late Craig Sager. So if Sohan turns out to be half the player that Rodman does, he's going to be the, probably the steal in the 2022 draft. I wanted Portland to draft him. Not what wasn't going to happen because he was just so low down the level of needs that the Blazers had. And he's still raw. Some nights he'll have zero points. Some nights he'll have 15. But he has a a talent, has a grit, and a place like San Antonio needs him. And if they know, and they do, I think, know how to nurture that talent, sky is the limit. So you're probably tired of hearing about Carl Anthony Towns because even writing this, I was kind of like, ugh. You know, I'm just done. I'm just done with him. Uh He's not even playing right now. Why are we even discussing him? And yet, during his recovery, he's managed to do the impossible. He's making himself even more unlikable than ever before. And and listen, my New Year's resolution, I, I said this before, is to be kinder and gentler to Carl Anthony Towns. And so this is me trying to, even though he's annoying. His latest hullabaloo. Well, Towns has gone after the Wolves very publicly for giving an overly optimistic timeline for his injury recovery. Uh, he has a calf tear. Stinks. The severity of it has been debated. It happened about a month ago. The Wolves released info that Carl Anthony Towns' calf strain was a grade two, 
and the recovery for a grade two calf strain is between four to six weeks. But that time has come and that time has gone. And now Carl Anthony Towns is mad. He is big mad. This is what he said. It was never a grade two strain. It was never going to be a grade two strain. Unfortunately, I prayed to God Almighty that it was a grade two, but I knew that it wasn't. It was a grade three. Grade three is a full-blown tear. A lot of times you need surgery. It could be God knows how long before he comes back. And yeah, he's mad, reasonably so, because his team is lying about his injury and giving not only false hope to the fans that he's coming back anytime soon, which he is not, but then when he doesn't play, according to their timeline, what does it make Carl Anthony Towns look like? Makes him look like people already consider him soft. Carl Anthony Towns is being shaped, and the narrative continues to persist as him being overly soft. Grade three strain, that's a no-no. You're not coming back from that anytime soon. Cat Ben continued. NBA team was trying to say four to six weeks. There was no way with the injury I sustained. It's a very significant injury. I don't know if they were trying to give false hope to the fans or what the case may be. Listen, I think Carl Anthony Towns is very unlikable. Uh, I think a lot of times he's he's his own worst, worst enemy. Uh, but at this point, I am on team Carl Anthony Towns. I am a thousand percent in his corner. They should know better. Minnesota, how dare you, right? How dare you? You're already knowing that your star player is battling a reputation for being soft, and now he's going to be called that over something that you did, over news that you incorrectly gave out? That is just dumb. That is just doo-doo dumb, 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 dumb. I think the Wolves are a mess. We've said that before. But this type of stuff is Bush League, and this is an incident, even as small as it is, that has done nothing to change my mind about what's going on there. With Tim Connolly, who's supposed to be absolutely goaded, is uh, doing what he can to change his reputation day by day. And uh, listen, there's social, we talked about this. They tried to coin the nickname Gobzilla for Rudy Gobert. And that trade's been a disaster. Minnesota's probably not going to make the play-in tournament. And we got Austin Rivers as the team PR spokesman. You just can't get much worse than that. As of now, we have no idea when Towns is going to return. Maybe the playoffs, if they're even in the playoffs, no guarantee that they're even going to make it there. And if that's the case, I think things get very dicey in the offseason. We got some trades. Our very first deal of the NBA 2023 trade deadline is complete. And if you add Rui Hachimura on your bingo card, I mean, you're a liar. Just congratulations, you're a liar. Uh, I don't think anyone besides maybe Wizards fans thought that he might be the first person moved. And it wasn't like people didn't see it coming because they did. The They've been asking Rui questions. Hey, um, do you want to be traded? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> and they're like, have you asked formally for a trade? Uh, that's no comment. So that was like 24 hours before he was traded. So things started bubbling up a little bit in terms of Rui getting moved. And 
as a side note, anytime you ask someone a question that's a yes or a no question and they answer no comment, yeah, that's probably something bad. He did ask to be traded. Otherwise, he would have just said no, right? He would have just said plainly, nah, I haven't done that. So the Kings and the Mavs have been kicking his tires for a week or more. But boy, oh boy, did I not see the L.A. Lakers coming. Oh, yes. The team that everybody, including Jeannie Buss, said was going to be standing pat. They trade Kendrick Nunn. Sad. Sad. You cannot assess this Lakers team without a fully healthy Kendrick Nunn. I've been saying this for 48 months, it feels like. You don't know what you have in this Lakers team without Kendrick Nunn. And now that he's gone, how can I truly know what they are? Three second rounders on top of Kendrick Nunn for Rui Hachimura. So I saw Palinka sitting alone at the PKI, Phil Knight Invitational, and I said to myself, what is he scouting? Well, who are you scouting with all those second rounders? And now the question becomes even more clear. No one. You have no more second rounders even to use. And you've got a decade with AD, you've down, down three of your seven second rounders, despite the fact that the only guys you really hit on are undrafted or guys late in the second round. Caruso, Alec Reeves, come on now. Austin Reeves, excuse me, Alex Caruso. As Shams noted, though, the Lakers are not going to pay this price unless they <gasps> sign Rui Hachimura to a long-term deal. And that is, that's where it gets tricky, folks. Rui? Rui, a long-term Laker? Rui? They have Rui's bird rights. And his $18.8 million cap hold. And they've already said that they intend to sign Austin Reeves. So now if you sign Austin Reeves... You sign Rui to a long-term deal. You've already got LeBron in an extension. You've got Anthony Davis on the books. The question I think everybody who knows math is asking is, so are you not going to be able to get a big free agent this offseason when Russ comes off the books or, or nah? And it feels like nah. So if it's impossible to sign said star in the offseason that we've been hearing that they're going after, what are they going to do? Strange, strange decision by Rob Palenka to give up that much draft capital only to be forced to renounce Rui's bird rights if they actually want to bring in a heavy hitter. I'm starting to think, I'm starting to think that Rob Palenka might not be very good at his job. I'm starting to think, I know shocking, I've never thought that before, but this is what has, this is the straw that's broke the camel's back, I think, for me. Rui, I actually like him. Very perplexing player. Heard, as someone lives in the DMV area, uh, District of Columbia, Maryland, and Virginia, I've heard a lot of things about Rui's work ethic. We know that he missed a lot of time last season for personal issues. Uh, I've heard he's, by all accounts, a very good dude, but also someone who has struggled to not be the star, the guy. If you go to Japan, Rui is on every bag of chips that you can find. And Rui is a bag of chips in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's him. 
That's he's a bag of chips. He's a guy that you're not building around here. So it's strange. And things as we know, asked Kyle Kuzma, his former teammate who also came from the Lakers, things are magnified in Laker land. Fans are not caring about what your status is in another country. They want to know if you can get them wins right now. Bright lights and Rui Hachimura shrinking under them in the DMV? Oh, boy. What's it going to be like here? Uh, I'm not going to get overly pessimistic because there is some good things about it. But another thing that I find to be weird is why is Rob Palinka trying to uh, remake the Washington Wizards in Los Angeles? You've got... Thomas Bryant, who is a former Laker and came from the Wizards. You've got Troy Brown. Yes, legend. Troy Brown went to Oregon. Uh, Rui Hachimura and Russell Westbrook. A quarter of their roster played with Russell Westbrook on the Washington Wizards. There's two groups. There's the Clutch Sports group and then there's the ex-Wizards group. There's literally zero overlap. None. Zero. There's none. I tried to see if there was any connection. There's not. Russ and Rui. This is where things get real strange because we imagine in our heads that Russell Westbrook is not going to be on the Lakers next year when his contract is up. But then you start to put the pieces together and you wonder, huh, maybe that's wrong. Russ and Rui, very close relationship. Rui calls Russ senpai which is a term of great respect in Japan. Uh, it's closely, closest word is, is leader. For his part, Russ loves Rui. He says he's a great scorer. He's got great hands. He can guard any position on the floor. Pause. Rui is not known for his defense. I will say that. So he says he's seen him do great things, and I'm excited to see him do it here. I think this means that Russell Westbrook stays on the L.A. Lakers, folks. You've got all these guys that he played with. You see clips on Twitter of him mentoring Rui, showing him how to avoid turning the ball over in the post, him going out and drawing a foul on the very next play. Russ has been amazing off the bench, incredible sixth man of the year. He's getting triple doubles, even not starting. And for their part, the Wizards just continue to be worse than the Lakers in every way if it's possible. Like, Wizards fans are pissed. Because Rui was, when did he get picked? Was he 10th? Rui. Yeah, Rui was the tw- the 10th pick overall. You trade 9th. 9th pick overall. And you trade him for Kendrick Nunn and three seconds? Not one useful player? No disrespect to Kendrick Nunn. We know you haven't been healthy. We don't know who you are right now. Uh, I think Kendrick Nunn probably gets moved. And those three second rounders are great in a league where you can get Io DeSumo and Herb Jones. But listen, if I can't trust the Wizards to draft someone competent with the 10th overall pick and you get Johnny Davis... Do you think I can trust, if I'm a fan of the Wizards, for them to draft anyone of value in the second round? No shot. I mean, then you've got to deal with cat space, and then you have to move other players like Will Barton. I I doubt that they're going to move on from Kyle Kuzma or Porzingis, and Beal is going nowhere, so what are they even doing? The fact that Rui got moved 
means he asked to be moved, and they were done with him. Very interesting trade. I kind of like it for the Lakers. Uh, I don't love it for the Wizards. They have been patient with Rui, and if he wanted to be gone, I guess you have to get something for him. And for for a team that's been up and down every game, the Lakers, the last thing they need is inconsistency. So I am very curious. What an interesting way to start trade season. Uh, lastly, as we were about to record, major news dropped. Wanted to keep you updated. Uh, we'll have something more on the Memphis Grizzlies tomorrow when we record. But Steven Adams of the Memphis Grizzlies, the strongest man in the NBA, the guy that is an immovable force, has a PCL sprain and will miss the next three to five weeks. Oh, my God. I don't know that I can overestimate how big of a deal this is for the Memphis Grizzlies. He's not only important to the Grizzlies in general, he is very important to John Morant in particular. Not only does Steven Adams average, you know, a decent amount of points, you know, 8.6 points, 11 and a half rebounds per game, two and a half assists per game, but he also leads the NBA in offensive rebound rate. More than that, he is a hard rock and someone who enforces and keeps John Morant from losing his life every time he gets airborne. Right? You're not going to mess around with him when you know John, Mor- uh, John Morant has Steven Adams right there. Jaw drives, does not get hit and struck out of the air like a bird, right? By a hunter. You could probably make an argument that Steven Adams is the second most important Memphis Grizzly player right now. And that's saying a lot, considering that Jaron Jackson is probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Memphis currently in second place. They're going to face 10 to 15 games without him. You're probably going to see more Brandon Clark, who I love, more Santi Aldama, who I like and does not get nearly enough minutes, I don't think, and probably a heavier dose of Xavier Tillman, which has the internet right now in a tizzy. People are losing their shit over Xavier Tillman starting tonight's game, and I tell you what, I can't blame them, honestly. I can't blame them. Uh, None of them, no matter how good they are as a collective, are going to come close to Steven Adams. Uh, He's the only person on the floor. Probably that made Shannon Sharp in his $4,000 cardigan that he was popping out of look small next to him. And then when he said, oh, Ja didn't want smoke, T. Moran didn't want smoke, Dylan Brooks didn't want smoke. Remember, Shannon Sharp somehow mysteriously forgot to mention that Steven Adams did not want any smoke. So just beware of that. Injuries, they always impact the NBA season, as we know. And Memphis has actually faced their fair share of it. The fact that they're in second place right now, considering that Jaron Jackson has been out for the beginning of the season, he was out. Desmond Bain missed time with his toe. Now you've got Steven Adams missing considerable time. Even Jaw has missed eight games. So we're going to see how the Grizzlies do and how they handle their business over the next month because if they can hang out and just stay steady, 
that would be a huge win. I tell you what, though, there are a lot of teams that have the Grizzlies in their crosshairs, and without Steven Adams, our Sacramento Kings put a beat down on them, and they don't have their incredible Hulk to protect them when they talk all that shit, even from the stands. Next up, really quick, could not end this show without telling a little bit about the latest from our, our favorite holy roller in the NBA, Joe Missoula. Yep, we got to talk about him. Yep. Hey, uh, Joe, Joe Missoula. Is everything okay, my guy? You okay? I think you're under a little too much stress out there in, in Boston. Because um, according to Celtics beat writer Adam Himmelsbach, Joe Missoula just just walked past Marcus Smart in the locker room, <laughs> did a full <laughs> did a full somersault in front of him, <laughs> turned instead turned and said, "You can't do that." Then walked out. <laughs> that's a real story. That's that's how crazy it is. What what's happening? Uh, what is going on? I am worried. I am worried about Joe Missoula. What is he doing? What 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 kind of ninja somersault mental health cry for help? Nick is this? Are you a six year old girl? In tumbling class? Or are you the head coach of the Boston Celtics? Random somersaults? Do you know those girls that just randomly do? Just out of nowhere, they just start. They do. What's the other thing? What's the, the one you do this side? The handstand. Handstand into the somersault and they just land it. They're like, see? Bet you can't do that. Like, that's a girl. The people who do that are girls named Tanya. Not... Not Joe Missoula, the head coach. Himmelsbach probably saw this up close because otherwise how would he even know about it? No one's going to tell him this story. He viewed this. Like all of us and me who is currently in tears, bewildered by this. He went to Marcus Smart and said, hey, dude, um, was that some kind of inside joke between you guys? And Marcus Smart literally shook his head, no, and he said, I have zero idea where that somersault came from. Then he rolled his eyes and said, we need to stop giving him sugar. Did, are we sure that's not a story about Deuce Tatum? I, I have so many questions about this. Why? For what reason would a 34-year-old man just pop out in a gymnastics move in the locker room and say, bet you can't do that? Second question that I have. Is this, this going to be a pattern? Has this happened before? Are we going to see more progressions of gymnastics in the locker room? Are we going to see him do a forward roll into a tuck jump? A hop to safe landing into a log roll? I need to know. Third question. 
even though Marcus Smart said he had no clue that this was coming, why wasn't he more shocked or shook by this? I am reading this, and I personally, who was not there, am shooketh. I would, if I had anyone that I worked with jump into a somersault right in front of me and say, bet you can't do that. Yeah, no, I can't do that. And I don't think you should be doing that either. Jesus Christ, we have an insurance policy out for you. We got one coach who's already been suspended for his fucking own gymnastics in the bedroom. You know what I'm saying? We got another guy. Bible thumper doing gymnastics in the locker room, and we don't even get one side eye from Marcus Smart. And you know what that means? Marcus Smart has seen some shit. You know, if that doesn't phase you, you've seen things. And if you had to pick one guy in the NBA who's not getting a lot of adult gymnastics in his life, it's Marcus Smart. He's way up at the top of my list. I hope... I hope that there's more of this story to be told. And this, I think, is just a sign that Joe Mazzulla is just a strange cat. If this is a sign of him crying out for help, like blink twice, Joe, if you need something. Things are only going to get weirder in Boston. That is all the time that we have for the heat check. My God, Joe Mazzulla. Come back Friday uh, for an all-new episode as we have trade deadline coming in less than three weeks. We're going to be very busy filling you in on all the details. Do not forget to read the story about Joe Mazzula because I did not make it up. It seems like I did, and I did not. Do not forget to follow us on Twitter at, at Trista underscore Crick and on TikTok at This Heat Check. And tell all your friends, every single one of them.